Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. I guess I suck about as low as an accountant can sink. I graduated 30th in my class. Now I spend my afternoons watching lettuce float. Norman, I've got it. You're an accountant. You should be accounting. Sam, why don't you put Norman on as your accountant? Yeah, oh, great idea. That'd be fabulous. I uh, already have an accountant. Well, fire yeah. him and hire Norman. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. Can I speak to you over here for a minute? Certainly, certainly. Well, what's the matter, Sammy? Don't you think it's a good idea? Oh, no, you bet. You bet. I just want to tell him in private how much I like him. Oh, sounds like Ms. Chambers is going to get a bus on the cheek. Let's hope it's going at least 80. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Everybody knows your name You wanna go where people know People are all the same You wanna go where everybody knows your name Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and happy to welcome another returning guest this time. From the Right On Podcast Network, which hosts the Four Who Rule, a Seinfeld podcast, among other shows, please welcome Ashford back to the show. How's it going, man? Hello, everyone. Hello, Ryan. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, since you've been on the show before, we don't have to go through your whole Cheers origin story, so let's get into this episode, which is Season 2, Episode 14, No Help Wanted. This episode is written by Max Tash, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was January 12, 1984. When Norm starts showing up to Cheers late and stinking of fish, the gang begins to suspect that he has taken a job as a menial dishwasher at Melville's restaurant. Eventually, Norm arrives, followed by dozens of cats drawn to his new fishy odor, and under pressure from his friends, he admits that in desperation, he started washing dishes upstairs. To salvage Norm's dignity, Diane proposes that Sam hire Norm as his personal accountant, an idea that Sam hates, but accepts under duress. Sam allows Norm to do his taxes, trusting that nothing will change, and he'll continue to pay the IRS a couple thousand dollars like he does every year. Instead, Norm runs Sam's taxes so that he'll earn a $15,000 refund. A few days later, Norm returns brimming with pride and a renewed sense of confidence and client base. That is, until he finds out that Sam never sent in the return that Norm prepared for him, opting instead to play the safe route with his old accountant. The gang turns on Sam for not standing by his friend and customer. He and Norm fight, and Norm vows to leave Cheers forever. Instead, he follows Sam into the office, but instead of fighting, Norm breaks down, sobbing, and begs for Sam's help. Sam agrees to take Norm on as his accountant next tax season. 
This news is greeted with applause from the bar, especially from Diane, who gets emotional, and Norm, who was just crying a few minutes earlier, mocks her for getting teary-eyed over the situation. So, Ashford, what did you think about this episode? You know what? This is an episode that I wouldn't put in a essential or maybe even – I wouldn't even put it in a primer set for new people. But it is necessary because I think there are some character development in here that going forward we will now understand these characters. I thought that this episode put the some of the characters in reality. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. Like, this is not one of my favorite episodes of the season or the series, but it still has a lot of great stuff. And, and part of the reason why in an episode like this, being such a lover of this show, episodes like this can sometimes be difficult for me to watch because I love characters like Norm and Sam so much. To see them at odds, to see them when they're fighting over stuff like this, and to see Norm laid so low. And Norm is a guy who has all of the reason in the world to just be sort of a down and depressed type of character. Especially at this point in his life, he's he's been unemployed for over a year, as Sam points out. He's separated from his wife, Vera. She hasn't been around for a while. He's got nothing going for him, so... And, and to face this final, like, shred of humiliation that Sam wouldn't even trust him like this. Like, when, he's, when he goes in the office and he says, you know, he doesn't want to leave, he doesn't want to go from the bar, and he just basically falls down on the couch crying and ends up crying on Sam's pant leg. It's like, ah, uh, I, I like Norm. I like seeing him, like, even though he has all the reasons to be down and depressed, he always shakes it off like nothing kind of really bothers him. Like, everything is just sort of, eh, whatever. He's always got, like, the liner, the one line or something for it. Uh, to actually see him really brought to this point is kind of it's, it's kind of painful to watch, but at the same time, it is a great performance, and they do manage to squeeze humanity and comedy even out of that. So, yeah, yeah, I think this episode this episode is needed because, like you mentioned before, usually Norm is Joe Cool, right? Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, he's been unemployed for a while, and to see him kind of not snap, but kind of just lose his cool as well as Ted Danson, Sam Malone. Mm-hmm. And to see them go back and forth, either two things are going to happen with two men really going back and forth like that. It's going to end or it's going to make their relationship stronger. And we saw that this show continued on much longer. So that's why this episode is needed. And I was going to ask you this. The writer of this one, is this the writer's first job on Cheers? Yeah, I don't think he ever came back and did another Cheers episode. Because when I when I watched this the first time, it kind of came off like someone who read some cliff notes about the characters and went, "Yeah, I could write an episode." Mm-hmm. And then the second time I watched this, it felt more it felt more natural. But it kind of felt like the I don't know, like the way some of this was written. It, it seemed like I don't know, like someone they they never seen an episode. They just saw some notes, and maybe that's why they may have taken that risk. Where you know we see Norm have that meltdown, but I'm pretty sure too. You know, Norm almost has top billing on the show. Like maybe he's like number three, number four. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, they're going to go like, we'll give you something. So you're not just sitting at that bar. And, and we saw this. Right, right. This is definitely Norm's episode and he gets them every once in a while. And uh, yeah, and you're right. I think, I mean, when they bring in like sort of like journeyman writers, like to, who weren't necessarily part of the the writing team or one of the creators, you know, they kind of came in and, and would occasionally do like these one-off things that would kind of go into somewhat exploratory territory and kind of take the characters in directions um, because 
maybe the showrunners wouldn't have thought or wouldn't have had the idea to actually push Norm to this point. But, uh, but it, yeah, it's an interesting development. It's interesting what they come from. Looking at the whole sort of structure of the piece, the teaser for this episode is is pretty good. It's one of those you know, sort of insular, like not connected to anything, but it, it starts off very sort of soft and quiet. The gang is just playing classical music on the radio, and Coach is listening to it, and Coach says, you know, he, every time he hears a foggy time in old London town, it reminds him of his wife. And before long, everybody's like, is that how you met your wife? Were you listening to that song? He's like, no, no, no. And he leads them through this long connect-the-dots type of story about how the song reminds him of the movie, like, From Here to Eternity, and uh, Frank Sinatra was in that movie. Or the song, Frank Sinatra sang the song. He was in the movie From Here to Eternity. That movie was set in Hawaii. This guy he knows would, had never been to Hawaii, but this guy is the one who introduced him to his wife. So they have to follow this stuff along. And I think, like, my favorite part about it, as he's kind of like telling this long story, because they have to keep on pulling new threads of information from him. Like, when he finally just mentioned, like, neither is, like, you know, Wally, whatever. He's never been to Hawaii either. And Sam and Diane and Cliff, they all just kind of look at each other, and Cliff's like, I'll take this one. <laughs> and he's like, like, they're just kind of like, okay, who, which one of us is going to crack this mystery? He's like, I'll take this one. He's like, who is that guy? And he's like, oh, he introduced me to my wife. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And it's kind of like, fine, okay, that's, that's a coach's process. Cue another song comes up, and just some other customer just kind of like sitting at the bar. He's like, "Yeah, this song reminds me of my daughter." And he's like, "Oh, yeah." And Coach is like, "Oh, what? what how? Why? Why is that?" And he's like, "Yeah, they were playing the song the day she got married." And, and Coach is like, "And?" <laughs> and like just sort of expecting the same type of non-linear five-part story. And the guy's like, "Nothing. That's that's it." <laughs> they were playing at my daughter's wedding, and he's like, "Oh, okay." And he kind of like wanders off, and he he mocks him to say, "Like, boy, we get all kinds of people here, don't we?" Like. Of course, because that's what Coach would think about that type of story. That <laughs> if there's not 15, you know what? When 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 Coach does those things, that's not easy to pull off well as far as acting that out, and and it's brilliantly written. But when Coach does those kind of like uh, I, I'm gonna kill two birds and get stoned instead of <laughs> I kill two birds with two stones, like just to kind of say that because your brain is already thinking the right way to say it. Mm-hmm. So to you have to purposely get it confused that's not that easy no no he does so yeah props to uh the, the actor on that yeah he was so good at playing simple and dumb but uh but still lovable and still believable too once we come back uh before norm arrives there's this short little bit uh where an ex-lover of sam's comes in a woman named becky uh who's played by guest actress amanda horan kennedy she's credited in the show as barbara horan um, she appeared in basically every 80s TV show, from Chips and T.J. Hooker, B.J. and the Bear, Remington Steele, Jake and the Fat Man, Quantum Leap, Dukes of Hazzard. Uh, she's just kind of all over the place. Um, but she comes okay. in. Okay. She comes in. Well, I was going to say, oh. she looked like an 80s archetype type woman. Now I realize, no, no, no. She just was <laughs> all those women. Yeah. Okay. She, yeah, she was. You probably saw her as the same type of thing in all those. And she kind of flirts with Sam, and she's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm back in town. What are we going to do? And she asks him, when do you get off? And his response is, oh, I'm sorry, Becky. I don't get off anymore. <laughs> it's so good. Diana's right there. And he's that like, was what wild. I, yeah, he's like, what I meant was I'm, I'm seeing somebody here. 
<laughs> and, and like the, the way that kind of revolves, like, and and Diane is like, forget it. Actually, I don't mind if you guys talk or something. I'm not the jealous type. So this woman starts to leave, and Sam is like, you know what? Let me walk you to your car. And before he can go, Dan, who's washing the glasses or washing the dishes, just turns the little hose or, or filling like the water hose or whatever, and just sprays Sam right in the crotch, like right in the front of his pants. And he just kind of turns back to Becky. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> I just thought that was... You know what? That was written for a gag for her to do that. I'm gonna spray your pants. Mm. But let's say she didn't. Let's say she she got distracted with what she was doing. What was gonna happen if Sam walked her to that car? Yeah, she. They had... were just gonna exchange pleasantries, and that was it. I, I mean, because the whole the whole setup is Diane prefacing that by saying <laughs> she's not the jealous type. So right. when when she reveals that she is, and she doesn't want Sam going anywhere near this woman when she's not in, in sight, uh, you know, she might have had to leap over the bar and go and tackle him or something at the door. This is something I want to bring up too. Like I, I know that we all get that Sam is a lady killer, right? He's a ladies' man. But you really have to think about like what happened in that scene. There was a woman where she couldn't text, couldn't face message, anything like that. Couldn't go on social media. She had to get off a bus, or the plane ride, whatever. Go into Boston. Go into this this bar. And hope that Sam is working that shift and go, hey, remember me? Like, that's a lot of initiative. I mean, we get that Sam is a ladies' man, mm-hmm. but man, he must really be a ladies' <laughs> He got women coming up to the job. Wow. That, that, that's, that's powerful. That's yeah. That's a lot of work on her part for a booty call. I mean, <laughs> she she yeah she had to be trusting that uh, she knew what she was getting. So yeah, yeah. she was nineties before it was nineties. <laughs> Um, okay. so a few other things, like when they, when they notice that Norm is late and everything, you know, Sam kind of mentions that he's been late all week and he's like, it's starting to eat into my beer profits. I'm going to have to raise the prices. He's like, and he hands Cliff a drink. He's like, that's going to be $11. Yeah. <laughs> what about when Norm walked in where they do the Norm, Norm in, he goes, draw your beer, Norm. No, I know what they look like. Just give me any other thing. Yeah. In this, in this episode, they did a lot of, uh, jokes that were, out the side of someone's mouth where if it landed you were like that was brilliant but if it didn't you were like are they going to start telling jokes that was a brilliant joke but it was very just throwaway yeah yeah you're right um they were also like i mean i i noticed uh, they play i mean it's played for laughs and they're actually kind of funny but norm makes two jokes about suicide in this episode yes like like, uh, did you catch that like the first time like because he comes back and he's followed by these cats that are just meowing at the windows and trying to get in and he's like shouting at them for go because they just follow his his new scent and like they they all notice how bad he smells now that he's got this job and like when he when he confesses and how embarrassed he is that he took the job, he's like I, he's like I went home last night and I thought about jumping out the window, but there were so many cats down on the down on the street they would have broken my fall. And I'm like, okay, that's a really good joke, but also, dude, you're joking about suicide on this show. And later on, when he's asking if he, or when Diane is uh, saying that Norm should be Sam's accountant. Uh, and and it's clear that Sam is like bristles at the idea. Norm's like, "Hey, Sam, you know, it, if it's no big deal, I mean, I could always just kill myself." And Cliff is like, "Yeah, the man has options." Like, dude. <laughs> well, those are two good gags, but like, if your ear is attuned to suicide, mm-hmm. it comes up a lot. Like, just in pop culture or referenced or people saying it in jest or like to make these jokes. But uh, again, props to the show. 
how did they wrangle those cats? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. You know, just just as far as a production standpoint, they were actually cats. So I was like, man, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Gosh, there are a couple other good beats. Um, uh, when you know Diane first comes up with the idea and everything, and and Sam is like, you know, he's like, he wants to talk to her over on the other side of the bar. He's like, come over here, and she goes, oh, it looks like Miss Chambers is going to get a bus on the cheek. And Carl's like, let's hope it's going at least eighty. So. I loved it. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is usually like with TV shows, like especially back in the 80s, it would be like the man doing whatever he could to get a kiss from the lady. Mm. So it was kind of interesting. Like we saw the one episode where like, hey, I bought Samson tickets to the boxing match. Like she took some initiative and then like, hey, maybe I might get a kiss right here. And he's like, no, you're not going to get a kiss. Right. Don't implicate me in things, lady. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. There's actually, there's like a lot of like, like physical activities that they were doing. Like I love when like Norm comes in and he he's kind of like confessing what's going on, and Sam gives him a lemon, like squeezes lemon juice out on his hands and everything to sort of cut back on the smell. And then later on, when Sam is you know first says yeah he he'll let Norm do his taxes and everything, and they shake hands on it. And as soon as he's done, he grabs a towel and starts wiping his hand off and like looking at it. <laughs> yeah. What about the the scene where Norm he does. Shirley Law's taxes. Yes. And yes. he ta- he brings up the psychiatry. And then when Sam, he makes his joke about like, yeah, February was a rough month, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we- did we miss that? Like, no. I want to see those episodes. What was going on in February, Sam? Yeah, well, exactly. Because, I mean, because this episode came out in January. So February would have been a whole year before, before they even started dating, actually. Um, so I think that was kind of like a throwaway <laughs> line. I'm not sure if you could even... You can even credit that one, but yeah, he he says he's like all of your psychiatrist psychiatrist visits are deductible, especially those daily sessions back in February. <laughs> and 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 Diane is trying to like because like everybody can hear him say that she's like she's trying to downplay that she's like shut up, Norman. And Sam is just cracking up. He's like, yeah, February was a tough month for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. All, it sounded like an ad lib, which is mm-hmm. kind of rare. We don't really. It seems like Ted Danson is so down the line, yeah. he wouldn't do like an ad lib type remark. Not at yeah. this point. So there's something else like about watching this episode today that just sort of like struck me as a little weird, and I, I don't know what your thoughts on this was. Did it seem like they had a really irrational stigma against dishwashing and that type of like blue collar work? Like it, it really struck me as like uh, okay, that, but that is somebody's job, and you're really making it sound like that's like bottom of the barrel, and like you, you should be ashamed to have that job. And I was like. If I was a dishwasher, I'd I'd kind of be pissed off about this type of thing. And and I'm you know sure what? I'm I, sure the thing is like in in an urban in a city, a city like Boston and everything like that. That people who get those jobs, first of all, most of them aren't white. Maybe that was part of it. Like when when Cliff says, you know, he's a professional guy like me, he's not going to stoop to something like that. I wonder if there was like a, a bit of classism, possibly latent or unintended racism about the comments. But it just seemed it seemed weird to me that they would react that strongly. I like that Diane mentioned the dignity of work, mm-hmm. and I I could see if they were going on about that day three of Norm being let go from his job, but he's like a year plus out. Yeah. So now it's like, dude, if you could just work anywhere, that'd be great. And you know, you mentioned race. What about when <laughs> Diane tried to share, like, oh, there was a time where uh, you know I had to stand up for what was right too. And she said they had like a like a sorority <laughs> yeah, group or whatever yeah. to high oh, gosh, school. Yeah. 
and she said like I, I kind of like stood up for some people to be able to join. They immediately jumped. See, because you got to remember, this is the 80s. Right, right. If a show like this was written now, they wouldn't have jumped to this. They said, uh, oh, did, did they not let someone in because they were black? But it's kind of wild that, Diane, I think you would be in a group that wouldn't allow black people in. So that was our first jump to. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and then just- I didn't understand what, what did they say? They said girls with poorly publicized coming out parties. Coming out parties. Now, I think based on Diane and her background, I don't think it's the same as like coming out in terms of homosexuality. Right. No. It was more right. like a coming out party was like a debutante ball at like the turn Gosh. of the century or something. Okay. So it was like when – like if you think about like you know book like a Wuthering Heights or um, uh, like a, a – mm-hmm. I can't even – why can I not think of the, right. the sisters, the, the women authors? Uh, but like yeah, like the women basically like the coming out party was like when like young women like kind of came of age and they would like go out and say like they were of marriageable age and you would have a bunch of like suitors and and male bachelors that would kind of check them out or something. Yeah, so this is showing you know Diane comes from old money and like this was but these were the type of people that wouldn't be allowed into her sorority because they had poorly publicized debutante balls. <laughs> like it was it was she wasn't she wasn't crusading for them to integrate for race. Or sexuality, or religion, or something else like that. It was like, what? It's like Diane, you're not a hero in this context. It's like this is this is stupid. I loved it. Yeah, this is it, it was wild stuff. So yeah, then we we do get to the final scene uh, back in the office, uh, or, or even before that, when when uh, the the whole bell day thing, when uh, when the, Sam gets the call when he's at the bar and he's, he's his hands are full with dishes, and coach is reading the or replaying the replaying the message in front of the whole bar that uh sam's real accountant called and his tax returns are ready and sam tries to cover it by ringing the bell over the bar and say it's bell day it's bell day and, and of course that exposes that he, he didn't trust norm and he has to admit that and everybody else is taking norm's side and i mean i, I think he was uh i think he was wrong to to lie about it but i certainly i certainly understood sam's point here like the whole time like as a as a business owner he's got to think about his his business his employees and everything and he was right to point out that norm has been out of work for a year if he's such a good accountant why can't he get any other job like that and and then when he gets a fifteen thousand dollar refund like i i understood why he's terrified and why he might not want to do that i think his problem was he lied about it and he was trying to he was trying to well he was trying to spare norm's feelings but yeah I like that moment. And, and again, I thought that was some it was some subtle character development because watching this with Ted Danson's character mm-hmm. Sam when he's explaining like, "Man, I don't know. I think you're you're being a little too loosey-goosey with this." I'm kind of conservative. I was like, "You know what? Sam would be a member of the Grand Ole Party." You know, I can't see him voting for Bernie Sanders. I was like, "You know what? Sam's a good old Republican." Now that I think about it, that makes sense. Actually, and it was never resolved. We don't know if if I keep wanting to say George went. We don't know if Norm was correct or not. Yeah, yeah. They that, said yeah, you would be actually, my accountant the next year. That, that's true. If he had filed those, he might have gotten audited, and there there might have been some serious problems. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, you just you reminded me. Somebody, I think this was on Twitter, but somebody asked the question about a year ago, like which members of the cast of Cheers would have voted for Trump. And I had to like hang my head in shame because I'm like a lot of them, a lot of them. If you go through the whole, like a lot of them would have voted for Trump or, you know or not what, voted. You know at what's all. wild? Well, you know what's wild. Remember at the very beginning, and I know that George, uh, 
I want to say George Went. I know that Norm was feeling down and out, but that one part where Coach said, like, yeah, you look kind of wrinkled, and Norm says, so does your brain, Coach. Yeah. I was like, I was hurt. But the thing is, what I liked about that was the rest of the bar reacts in kind, reacts the same way. They're like, hey, you crossed the line. Yeah, like, you, you don't, we don't you mess can, with Coach, You man. can put a target on anybody. You can you do not say that to Coach. Like, he's the one who's off right. limits. And, and I like yeah. the fact that they kind of responded that way. And he, he even knew. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that's when he realized that he had to come clean. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um when they're screaming, they're fighting, and, and Coach is like, you guys, will you stop this? You're making a mockery of Bell Day. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, like the scene when he goes into the bar, into the back office, and Sam is like, how do you want to do this? And all of the cockiness and like the, the machismo and like all of the fight has just drained out of Norm, and, and he's just like blubbering and everything and just falls, and like screaming, like crying so hard, like punching the couch cushions. And just has to basically like just crawl over to him and and just like the way it's resolved is actually the the way it's resolved is the runner up for my uh, my uh, home run for this episode because like he's like grabbing onto Sam's pant leg and like crying against him and like saying like, you're my brother I don't want to do this it's like you just this is this bar is all that I have and and Sam takes pity on him he's like Norm you're my accountant starting next season and Norm was like I'll take it. But I don't want to beg or anything like that. He's like, I don't want to beg. And I just, I laugh so hard at that. I'm like, what a great delivery and a great way to end it. So uh, there was a part where Sam and Norm, they're going back and forth, and Sam called Norm a ham hock, right? He called him a ham hock. And then uh, Diane and Carla, they were going back and forth, and Diane called Carla spaghetti breath. I was like, <laughs> spaghetti breath? Uh, is that some type of ethnic joke? Very Italian. Basta. <laughs> yeah, we a few. I mean, there aside from the uh, the Becky woman, there are three guest uh, guest actors in this one who just uh, are credited as customers. The first one, the guy who was uh, at the bar during the teaser, uh, is an actor named Russ Marin. He again tons of TV appearances, including Mannix, Bonanza, Get Christy Love. Uh, the, the I always remember that because I think of the scene from uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs when they're like, "It's a, Get Christy Love." It was the Pam Greer TV show without Pam Greer. Um, mm-hmm. He was also in Kojak, Streets of San Francisco, Fantasy Island. Uh, BJ and the Bear, the original Battlestar Galactica, L.A. Law, uh, Murder She Wrote, just tons of stuff. Um, one of the other guys, in the, uh, Steve Gianelli, was who's in uh, like 20 episodes of Cheers. He was always one of the tertiary guys. Um, and then the third customer uh, is a guy named Hal Ralston. He only has three credits in IMDb, and this is his last one. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anything about him or what his story was. But for Norm's tab. I credit him for having three beers this episode. Uh, I sh- I, he actually has more coffee in this episode than beer, I think. But he has three beers, which takes his series total, as we've been following it along so far, up to 167. So, well, yeah, any any final thoughts about the episode before we get into our big categories? The scene between Sam and Norm, where they're arguing back and forth, and Norm is offended, he's about to storm out, I thought it was uh, quite intense, and there's a part where uh, Sam, he's really flipping out. And he goes back to his office. He said, you know what? You know, you're a big baby. And he said, listen, if you walk out that door, don't ever come back. And But what he's really saying is don't leave. Mm-hmm. Just, just don't leave. So I, I love this. I, I thought it was great. And you're making a mockery out of Bell Day, something that <laughs> Sam just made up. 
<laughs> I, I just absolutely loved it. Yeah. It was beautiful. Uh, okay, so uh, who was your employee of the week, or who did you think was the uh, the best character, uh, either funniest or most dramatic performance for this one? Okay, so when I came on the show the first time, it was behind baseball. It was before Cheers cast aired, so I didn't know, like, I kind of felt like Enter the Spider-Verse with different type of genres rendering into one episode. I was mm-hmm. like, I think I kind of didn't fit the voice of the show because I, I was insane. <laughs> and I love Diane and, and a lot of us, we talked about that. But I'm going to give this achievement, Lifetime Achievement Award up to this point. I'm going to give it to Sam because Sam, uh, Ted Danson has to do something where he kind of has to play it down the middle. Yep. And he has all these characters firing off, but it is Ted Danson's bar. Mm-hmm. Like it is Sam's bar. Like, Diane, you're hitting home runs in my field. Like Cliff Clavin, you're saying things about DNA structure and all this <laughs> in my field. George Went, you're going to be winning uh, Best Supporting Actor Emmys, but it's in my universe. And Ted Danson, he is doing How Jordan Written Well. Mm-hmm. That's what he, that's what Ted Danson is. So I'm giving it to Ted Danson. He does a great job in this one. Uh, I completely forgot about the Cliff thing with the DNA structure. <laughs> like explain that DNA <laughs> stands for dames are not aggressive. <laughs> why women don't Wow fight. stuff. And, and Diane corrects him. She's like, it stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. He's like, yeah, well, parse that into the Latin declension, and my point is still moot. <laughs> it's like, what? That's gibberish. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I loved Sam in this episode. I actually, even though I completely forgot about it, I really liked some of Cliff's lines in this episode. I thought Cliff was really good. Um, but I'm going to go with the other star of this episode. I, I went with the obvious choice for Norm. Um, I just thought he did a great job of playing it, playing vulnerable playing angry, uh, playing sweet and, and lovable and happy. I mean, his ranges go everywhere from when he first walks in, when he, when you mentioned when he's kind of talking out the side of his breath because he's so down and pressed, like, draw you a beer now? He's like, no, nah, I know what they look like. Just pour me one. Uh, and then just like when he snaps, <laughs> when he snaps at coach and then when he's shouting at Sam later on, but then when, when he, Sam gives him the job and he's coming out of the office and he's like, you're going to have the best tax re- tax return that's ever been audited. He's like, Oh, lighten up. That's just a tax, a tax joke or something like that. Um, and by the end of it, he's just, yeah, like the range of where, where George went for this one. So I think Norm would be my employee for this one. Uh, in terms of home runs or the best gag, I mentioned my runner up was at the end when he's like, I'll take it, but I don't want to beg. Um, there's an exchange earlier on, it's at the beginning, before Norm even shows up, when they're putting the pieces together. And like Sam, Diane is like, I thought I saw, you know, somebody who looked like Norm go into Melville's. And, and Sam said, you know, a week ago he asked me what a real man washed dishes. And, and they're kind of coming up with all these things. And, and they, they now suspect that Norm has taken that job. And Diane says, you know, it's impossible to escape the conclusion. And Coach is just kind of off by himself. He goes, I found a way. <laughs> like, yes! yes. <laughs> I just love that so much. <laughs> so of course and again, I think that line was delivered off camera. So if you were in 1983 texting or being on Facebook, you would have missed it. What did you think? What was your highlight or your home run joke for the episode? Oh, man, I had so many. Uh, and I really like that you're making a mockery out of Bell Day. But you know what? <laughs> I, I think... You know, what if we did the um, I don't get off anymore? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was such a good That was too, pretty man. wild. But like let me it. ask you this, because uh, I'm not up on my legal speak, legal knees. <laughs> uh, what is a $15,000 boner? 
Oh, oh I, I, I guess they just meant like if it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he was if he was caught if he was audited and, and the numbers didn't run up, if they thought he was trying to cheat the IRS out of fifteen thousand dollars, have to pay a hefty fine, if not go to jail or something, if they thought he was committing tax fraud. Yeah. And another thing too is when Norm was getting back on his feet, he's like, "Yeah, you know, Sam, this is the, you know, this is great." He went out and he made uh, personalized printed matches. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what would be the equivalent to that in 2019, 2020. Oh, maybe just a business card, or I don't know. I'll add you on my Twitter. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, like here's the, or like just like uh, you know, send you send you your contacts, uh, your contact info to the phone, including like your uh, your own Twitter and probably Facebook page for your business, your website. It, uh, essentially, it'd be you know the website URL. People don't pass out matches like they used to. <laughs> they don't. Nobody smokes like they used to. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, right, well uh, Ashford, thank you very much for coming back to the show and helping me cover this episode. Where else can people hear from you if they want to hear more from your shows? Ryan, it is a pleasure. And we have kind of like an interesting uh, relationship where you were doing the Black Canary podcast and then I did Birds of Prey that happens to have Black Canary in it. Mm-hmm. And now that you're doing Cheerscast, and this is my favorite television podcast. Like when you drop one, like I'm watching along with you. So when you drop one, I immediately try to listen to it. And uh, you're doing Cheerscast, and I do the the Four Who Rule a Seinfeld podcast, where Seinfeld was the little brother coming up right after Cheers. Yeah, so yeah, timeline. We have this kind of weird. Yeah, so uh, you can reach me at rightsonnetwork.com. That is W-R-I-G-H-T on network.com. And it's where you can listen to the Seinfeld podcast. If you're into Birds of Prey or the Cassandra Kane Batgirl or Helena Wayne or Helena Bertinelli Huntress, we got some stuff for you. And if you're into Doctor Who, we have a podcast called Straight Out Gallifrey. I appreciate it. There's a Birds of Prey movie coming up, so I think you're going to have some uh, some extra looks and uh, downloads up when when that one drops. So February seventh, twenty twenty. Well, uh, again, thank you very much for being on the show, <laughs> listeners. As always, thank you for tuning in. You can support the show by liking or sharing on Facebook and Twitter, or you can leave a comment on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. Uh, you can also support the show with money. The Fire and Water Podcast Network is now on Patreon. Special thanks to all of our patrons over there, with an extra special shout-out to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, who sponsors this show. For more information on how you can support the network in general, or this podcast in particular, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. You don't trust me as an accountant. You don't trust me as a friend. And now, come on, stop right there. Listen, you got to learn to separate business from friendship. No, no, no. The only thing I have to separate is you from my life. Hey, hey, come on. Listen, if I get into trouble with the IRS, I could go to jail. Oh, and you, you know what happens to pretty boys when they go to jail, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know your, your attitude is unprofessional. Oh, no, I'm unprofessional. Is that it? Yeah. yeah you, know, or you know who you are? No, listen, what? guys, don't say anything. What? Different. You're a backstabber. Well, you know something? You are a big baby, oh, Norman. Hair, hair, ham, hawk. Gooseneck. This is fun. <laughs> we are not the ones fighting here. Spaghetti breath. <laughs> B-A-D, you're bad. It's starting to get on my nerves. Well, the truth hurts. I'm alone. Oh, my God. Would the two of you listen to yourselves? Standing there, arguing, bickering. You're making a mockery out of Bell Day. <laughs>